You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with Anna Charles, episode 79. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hi all and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm talking about possibility and probability. In fact, I should say possibility, not probability. Now possibility, the way I see this is it's future focused. And in my work, what this means, I teach you how you can create results that you've never created before, i.e. a new and changed relationship with alcohol, no matter how old you are, no matter how many times you failed in the past, right? You have this ability to create anything. It's totally possible. And the thing is that the more you move to possibility, the more you move away from impossibility. Whereas probability is past focused. It looks at the likelihood of an already expected outcome, right? The brain likes to be here. This is where we deal in what most likely will not happen. When it comes to drinking, this generally shows up as a strong likelihood that we will not be successful in changing our relationship with drinking. And I even like to see there's a scale, right? There's we have impossible, moving into probable, moving into possible, right? Those are three elements on a scale. Now, there is actually a fourth layer of inevitability, which is a few steps further from possibility, but I'm going to leave that for another time. So today we're going to be talking about possibility, not probability. I talk to people all day long about possibility. Now, pretty much everyone who reaches out initially, when they first talk with me, I ask them about it being possible for them to change their relationship with alcohol. And how do they feel about that? And I tend to hear a flavor of response along the lines of, well, I'm not really sure I can do it. I don't really think I can learn how not to desire alcohol. I think I need to do it though. And I'm willing to give it a go for the sake of my health, even though I'll always be missing out, I'll always be deprived. All right, so that's pretty much what people tell me. They say that even if they achieve their goal of drinking less, it's only really going to be a partial win because they won't actually enjoy the experience afterwards, right? It'll be a trade-off. It's a case of feeling healthy or having fun, waking up with a clear head or not miss out, right? It's an or equation instead of all the ands, feeling healthy and having fun waking up with a clear head and not feeling like you're missing out, right? So I always ask them the same question at this this point. Why? Why aren't you sure that you can finally change this habit? Why aren't you sure that you can finally get what you want, that you can feel healthy and have fun? And I almost always get the same answer. They'll say something like, well, because I've tried. I've tried so many times and I've failed so many times before. And this kind of gets into they're probably just one of those people where it's not possible for them. So then I ask them what they've tried. Sometimes there's a great long laundry list, right? I've tried this, I've tried that. 
One of my now clients told me that what happened was the first time she tried an approach, right? She'd have some success that kind of spurred her on before it stopped working. And then she kind of revert back to how she was before. Then when she gave it a go the second time, I thought, right, no, 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 really is time now. We're going to make the change. We're going to do it. That second or even the third time she would have less success, right? Because she kind of been through the loop already and I could see what was happening. Her brain was saying this isn't going to work. And of course, what happened was it didn't work. Right? She had increasingly less impact and increasingly more doubt in herself. I see this time and again, and perhaps that's you. Perhaps you're low on possibility. That's all it is. Perhaps you're not feeling it's impossible, right? It's certainly not impossible, but it's not feeling all that possible. More like it's probable. You might be thinking, yeah, I can give it a go. It's not really going to be possible, but it's more probable that I'm not going to succeed. I want you to not worry. It's totally normal. This is what so many of us do in all areas of our lives, right? We use our past results as an indicator of our future success. And I will tell you something. As long as you keep doing that, as long as you keep looking to the past to find evidence of what is possible in the future, you are going to stay stuck. And like I say, this is true of anything in our lives. Because here's the thing. Of course, you have tons of evidence that you can't change your drinking. Of course, you have tons of evidence that you're always going to desire alcohol. You're always going to want it. You're always going to feel like you're missing out and feel deprived. Why? Because you haven't changed the habit yet, right? So you've got all this evidence, this huge body of evidence. If you had successfully changed your drinking, you would right now have evidence that the opposite was true, that you can reduce your desire for it, that you can develop a take it or leave it attitude to it, that it won't make you feel like it's not fair or that you're missing out or that you'll feel miserable and deprived in company. But instead, you have lots of evidence of trying to say no and still over drinking. Maybe you've had some small successes, maybe you've even taken a year or two off, but then you go, go straight back to it, right? So that's that's kind of like your past evidence right now. Okay, so we haven't got any of the evidence that this is going to succeed, which is why we find it hard to get into the feeling of it being possible. Right, but then I see people who recognize that by sitting with, well, it's impossible for me, that they see that that's not helping them, right? It's definitely not going to get them the result they want, right? They, they kind of get that. So they move to saying, not that it's impossible, but it's probable, that it won't work. I'm going to give this a go. Probably won't work, but hey, right? And this is kind of like a fudge. And what we're doing here is we're trying to outmaneuver our minds, right? We know that by saying it's impossible, that's going to make it impossible. And as we don't have evidence yet that it's possible for us, we kind of sit in this no man's land. And it's probable that it won't work. I'm willing to leave the door open a smidge, could be possible maybe, but probably not. Now ready to do the things, to do the work in this scenario, but you still have this story running. It's probably not going to work, right? And this probably won't make a difference. I mean, Anna, she's saying all this stuff. Okay. All right. I'll give it a go, but it's probably not going to work. It's probably not going to get me the result I want. 
Now, this is sometimes called realistic. Love this one. People tell me they don't want to get their hopes up. They want to look at what's realistic for them to achieve, which is really just another way of saying it's probable they won't get their super desired results, right? It's probable that they won't. They just don't want to get their hopes up. The whole idea of which is very painful. And this is something that the brain wants to do to protect us from these feelings of distress that we won't get what we ultimately want, right? So instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to go for it, we kind of temper it down. Okay, really what's realistic? Let's go for that instead. I mean, this this thing about feeling free around alcohol is not going to happen. It's not going to happen for me. I haven't got any evidence it'll happen for me. So we'll give it a go, maybe. Probably not going to work. And what we're doing this is we, we're doing this because we don't want to feel that disappointment again, right? If we've had all these failed attempts in the past. But what happens by doing this, by sitting in realistic and sitting in probability, is that we end up feeling disappointed ahead of time by not thinking that our desired result is possible for us. You see what's happening there? Right, by trying to protect ourselves from the disappointment, we just feel it right now because, oof, yeah, I know it's not going to be possible. So, yeah, probably not going to work. That feels pretty, pretty rubbishy, right? And that's when we get into realistic. But what is reality? Where is reality? Where does it actually exist? Does it exist with your current results, or does reality exist with your future desired results? Which one is more true? So I always, always start with possibility. It's possible that you could get what you want. Even though you don't have it now, it could happen. Even if you don't know how, or even if you have no proof at all that you can get this, you have zero evidence from your past that this is possible. It is possible that you could get what you want. Incidentally, as a side note, I sometimes find that saying, well, if it's possible for that person over there, it's possible for me. I sometimes find that's a hindrance because the brain then takes that as another excuse to wallow in and compare and despair, right? Well, who's saying? I mean, maybe they know something that I don't, right? And that can really keep us stuck. So if you find that saying, if it's possible for her, you know, or possible for him, it's possible for me, but that doesn't work for you, it's totally fine. Right? So I want you just to move back with and start with it's with possibility. Even when there's zero evidence, it could be true for you. And here's why. Now, I'm going to talk about this by using the example of the game Yahtzee. I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before. It's a dice game where you throw five dice and you get different combinations and you score based on what you throw. And it's a game of chance and a game of probability. I think it's actually a game that teaches a lot about how we live life. I play a lot of Yahtzee with my husband, who happens to be a mathematician. And that's a very relevant point, right? We play fairly similar games tactically, with one big difference. When things are going wrong in the game, when we're not getting our desired result, when it's looking like we're heading, we're gonna have to be a bit tactical in order to get a victory. When we're not getting the dice we want, my husband will revert to probability and I go to possibility, right? Because he's all about the likelihood. 
All right, so a Yahtzee, which is scoring five dice of the same number, right, that is the least likely combination. It's fairly rare. My husband could give you the, the permutations of why it's probable or not. So he zeroes in, he zeroes that one pretty, pretty early on. So if things aren't going well, he'll just say, well, it's not likely I'm going to get a Yahtzee. I'm going to score that as zero. Whereas I always try to keep it open as long as possible. I keep the possibility alive that I am going to score a Yahtzee and score the big 50 points, even when I know that realistically, that word again, I'm more probable, it's more probable, more likely I will not get a Yahtzee than get one. But I can tell you many, many times playing this strategy, I have won in what feels like, you know, against all the odds. I'm known for it in our family, right? I will dig in deep. I actually play a fairly high risk game, high stakes Yahtzee, if you like. But I do this because it changes how I show up. That's the important thing here. It's not just about whether it's likely to succeed or not, but it's who I become as a person. So for instance, just this morning in one game, I was losing pretty much from the off. Not terrible. I was just getting low scores. And I had to, I had to really had to get these, I had to get the high straight and the arts was like two of my last goes. And I think I had one other um, result to fill in. But I won on my two last goes because again, I had left the high scoring choices open. I threw a high straight and my penultimate throw, which equaled my husband's score. And then I threw a Yahtzee on my very last throw. On the last throw, 50 points victory. Now, of course, I know I won't always win. It's a game after all. I can play an excellent game, do nothing wrong, and someone else can just get a higher score. So that's where it's, compa it's comparison with life changes, right? In a game, there's a winner and a loser. It's not always that way in life, but I want you to stay with me here. What I have observed is that every time I take the quote-unquote safe route, which makes sense on paper, which maps to the laws of probability where I may win, but I could also lose because my score would be lower. So it basically makes it easier for my opponent to win. Then I feel very differently about the game. My belief in my result goes down. I feel worse about myself. Furthermore, time and again, if I effectively win power, if I take the probability route, it's not going to be likely I'll get this. So I'm just going to zero it and you know, hope I'm going to get these, you know, sort of lean into probability. I feel worse when I miss out on the big scores. Not because of the big scores themselves, but because I wasn't willing to go with how I felt about it. Because I wasn't willing to go with what was possible. Because I wasn't willing to be inventive with the choices I would take. When I'm leaning into possibility, I'm always curious. What could happen? How about this? How about that? Rather than, well, it's not going to happen, so I might as well just try my best. And that's why believing in possibility is so important because it changes how I feel about myself, which changes how I show up, which has a direct impact on the motivation needed to keep taking action with how I'm willing to learn from fails. And this applies to anything in life. And this was definitely key in changing my drinking. So I want you to compare the following two statements. It's possible I'll get the result I want versus it's probable I won't get the result I want. Now, what I want to offer is that even if you really don't believe it's possible for you to do you know, the work, to do the steps on the podcast maybe, 
and change your relationship with alcohol, where is the upside in thinking, well, even if I do it, it's probable I won't get the result I want? Is this kind of thought process going to spur you on when things get tough? Is this kind of thought process going to motivate you just to keep on going? Or will you feel defeated and quit ahead of time? Which, by the way, is the quickest way to guarantee that the something you want remains impossible. Right? It's when you throw up your hands and point to the past and point to all your failures and say, see, I told you, I told you I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Then you give up. It means you definitely won't get the result that you want. Feeling into the power of possibility is something else. When you can start believing and thinking greater than your current circumstances in your life, that's when you will make your current circumstances greater. You create those with your mind. And even more importantly than that, I want you to think about how often are you thinking about the future you want? How often are you believing in the future you want and feeling good about the future you want and then acting from that place? How much of your brain power in a 24-hour day do you use to create your future, to live within your future already? So lovely listeners, you have to hold fast to the idea of what you want to create. Your mind has to be ahead of your current conditions. We want and need our brains to exist in the future because the brain changes first. When I was changing my drinking, I started to feel what it's like to not want alcohol, right? That's when I knew I actually had this licked, even though I hadn't yet got to my end result, right? It was done. I was still going to go through the habit of drinking for a bit longer, but I was desiring it less and less. It's kind of like with running, for any of you runners out there, when I was learning how to run, after years and years of not doing any kind of fitness, I started to feel when well, I knew what it felt like to be able to run like 20 kilometers without stopping. I just knew even at that point, I hadn't maybe gone above 15 or even 10 kilometers. I hadn't done it. I hadn't done the 20 yet, but I knew, I knew it was done. I knew it was in me to do it. So if you've had many past fails in changing your relationship with alcohol, if you're kind of wedded to what it means about you and your life and about what's possible for you, well, I want you to know that all of that is optional. You get to decide how you want to feel about it. You get to decide what you're going to make it mean. You get to decide whether it was an amazing experience that taught you so much, it was part of your destiny, or if it means that you're never going to learn. Totally up to you. All thoughts are optional. But the real reason why with new clients I start with it being possible for them is that then you have what you need to keep taking action. Remember, your past results, all those past attempts are not an indicator of your future success. I really want you to remember that. Ask yourself, are you making a decision from the likelihood that it won't happen, from the probability that it won't happen, that you won't create what you want, or from the possibility that you will? Do not look towards your past to see what is probable for you. You have to always be looking towards your future to see what's possible. And truly, that's all you need. 
because then we get used to our dream and that kind of then becomes our new standard, right? So ask, what is your minimum? What do you expect of yourself? What is possible for you? Work with me and you will start making it possible for yourself to change your relationship with alcohol. All it starts is with a call with me, free call. You can book yours at 90dayslater.co, the big blue button at the top. And we can get started from there. We start mapping out exactly what's possible for you. And I can tell you this, it's going to be wildly more exciting than you've ever dreamed before. All right, that's it for this week and I'll see you next time. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.